Welcome to Six in the Mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Varied views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Today we take a look at vaccines as it relates to flu and to COVID. As always, we'll have our six in the mix trivia. We've got a hot topic being the Supreme Court vacancy that President Trump has put forth his nomination. Uh, we'll get some perspective on that. Calling your shot. Going to focus on a favorite movie, which should be great. And then Ben is going to close us out with the feel-good story of the week and fix your eyes. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan to uh, kick off the first topic. As Matt mentioned, we are... In the middle of a pandemic, and what we hear from some of our scientific experts is that the way out of this pandemic is via a vaccine. And I know from some of my friends on social media that this can be a sensitive topic because there are people that would consider themselves anti-vaxxers, meaning they are not going to get anywhere close to a vaccine. And of course, what's new about this vaccine is that it's a new pandemic. It's a new virus. So we really don't know much about how to best remedy it. We've had the flu vaccine that's given out every year because that tends to change from time to time. And I will say on the front end, I've skipped it some years. I've taken it other years. I'm just kind of in the middle on that, I would say, as a norm. But I'd say in recent years, I have become more of a fan of it just because I would say for the first 40 years of my life, I didn't think much of the flu. But recently, I've realized it can be a very dangerous disease to deal with as as you can get pneumonia and end up in the hospital with it. And so more more so than not, I have been taking some form of the vaccine uh, in recent years. So I'm just curious. I'm hoping I can learn from you guys tonight what the best approach to a new vaccine to cure, quote unquote, cure a new virus will look like in your lives and in the lives of your family, because as parents, you are responsible for not only decisions for your health care, but the decisions for your kids' health care. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Does anybody want to take a stab at this tonight? Ryan, I'll jump in. For me, when it's dealing with both the flu and the COVID uh, vaccine, I have not participated in that at all. And uh, as far as the flu is concerned, and I probably will not jump into the uh, COVID vaccine either. That doesn't mean I declare myself an anti-vaccine person. I have had shots. I've traveled out of the country before. I've taken things that would keep me from getting, for instance, malaria or something like that. However, for me, as far as COVID is concerned, and, and as far as the flu is concerned, because by definition, they're viruses and they change so often, I really do not find too much comfort in the fact that I'm protecting myself really, really strongly against these two viruses. My experience has been with the flu. 
I've had the flu before and I know what that feels like, but I can only remember having the flu maybe once that I was tested and tested positive for. And if it changes over time and over time it mutates and there are things that come in with that, I believe God really does set our bodies up to fight with our own immune systems. And I understand that there are some people who do have deficiencies in that, but I do know that God sets our immune systems up to be able to constantly be engaging with other things. And so I think for me personally, and most likely for the rest of my family, as I see it, we we will not be necessarily participating in this. I think for the COVID stuff, because it's so new, do they really have a handle on it? I don't know. Do the medical experts think that this is a strand that they might be able to give us some some relief from? Fine. Um, That may be, it's just not, it's just not for me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. That's just my personal opinion and conviction. Just to add a little bit more to the story here, what I've heard recently is we might know how effective these vaccines that are in stage two and three trials, how effective they are by the end of October, right alongside of the election, which is at the beginning of November. And I know some countries like Russia and China have already just, you know, bypassed some of these stages and they've put out some form of a vaccine into different populations. Like I heard China has vaccinated their military, for example, and they're also working in partnership with one of the countries in the Middle East, I believe, to start taking the the vaccination maybe for healthcare workers. And the guy I listened to on YouTube, one of the physicians I listen to regularly there, he's actually over in England who discusses COVID updates. He says that by July of next year, coronavirus will be part of U.S. history because of vaccines. But if everybody takes Jeremy's stance, we may not have a lot of people vaccinated. So maybe his projection of this being in our history is going to be false. So who, who else has uh, has decided what they're going to do regarding the vaccine? You know, a couple other details I would add. So right now in the U.S. in a given year, only 45 percent of the population gets a flu shot. So it's a minority of individuals out there, and this is among adults, so that doesn't count children, but adults, 45% of the adult population gets a flu shot. And, you know, I think people are taking COVID more seriously, obviously, so maybe the percentage would be higher. The other thing I've heard as well is that because of the nature of this virus, it's not necessarily going to be a one-time vaccination and you're good. You know, it's going to be more maybe even seasonal that you would get this. For example, in one of the strains of flu that is covered under the flu vaccine is H1N1, which was you know very rampant in, back in 2009. And so that's one of the strains that they put into the flu shot that is given annually. So you know I don't view this as being a magic bullet type of situation where everybody's going to get a vaccine. We're good. COVID is gone. You know, I, I don't see that happening just because of the nature of being a virus, like Jeremy said, and individuals who will, you know, decide not to take the virus. Uh, For my family, we do get a flu shot. And it's been our personal experience that in the winters when we've missed a flu shot, somebody will get the flu and they'll be pretty ill for maybe a week, something like that, and, and recover, obviously. But in the winters where we've gotten a flu shot, even if we get some strain of the flu, it's a lighter impact on us physically. So we usually do get a flu shot and we would 
will get the COVID vaccine when it becomes available. The medical people that I've listened to and, and spoken with, they are proponents of it. You know, obviously we want it to go through all the stages of testing so that we're comfortable taking it and try to have some kind of handle on side effects and make sure that it's relatively safe for everyone to take. Uh, you don't want the medicine to be worse than the, than the disease, but yeah, we'll take it. So that's just a couple thoughts on my mind about it. As a family, we've been more holistic in, in, in health and that's led mainly by Casey and some of her studies and, and friends and those types of things. So we've not vaccinated our kids and, you know, we have not gotten the flu shot. I think what's interesting for me, my place of employment for the first time ever has incentivized getting a flu shot. So there's money on the line if you get a flu shot. And I also think what's interesting is to what level will choosing to not get the vaccine limit what you're able to do out in public? I think that's one of the greatest unknowns too. Will there be, I don't want to get all end times, you know, like thief in the night, you know, back from podcast nine, you know, will there be some type of, you know, documentation you need to carry? Hey, you need to show us this before you enter a, a sports arena or maybe not like to the supermarket, but maybe for large gatherings, uh, sports events, concerts, theater, those types of things. Would you need to provide documentation that, yes, I've been vaccinated for that? I think that will be an interesting play to see where we take it. Because there's, again, it's a very polarizing view within the United States and good folks on both sides, certainly. But that's what I'm most curious to see. Well, and even in addition to large events, travel would be, to me, an easy one that they may potentially target there as you aren't going to be entering or exiting specific countries based on whether or not you've had a vaccine or what's going on in those countries. I could certainly see that being possible. It's interesting. I saw a stat just came across for the state of Minnesota, and it said all the the COVID um, rates in Minnesota. We've had, well, as of today, I think it's the numbers like just over 2,000, like 2,008 total deaths from COVID in the state of Minnesota. At the time of this the Minnesota Department of Health released these numbers that was on September 9th, and they had reported 1,862 people had died of COVID. Of those 862, uh, 52 of them were deaths of people under the age of 50. All the rest were the ages uh, of people ages over 50. Now, compare that to the flu. You know, those numbers are completely different. The flu last year in Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, 126 deaths were reported for the flu. Two of those were pediatric related deaths. I just I just want to put those numbers out there just because is that a reason to to get the COVID shot? Because it seems like Ben just threw out the number that only about 45% of people are getting the flu shot. But if 45% of the people are getting the flu shot and I, I don't know. There, there seems to be something maybe working with the flu shot, just having seeing those numbers here. But also on the other side of things, I mean, as a family, we do get the flu shots. And just like in Ben's case, we, we've noticed that we don't get as, as sick when we do have the flu shot. I mean, that we might get a, a strain of the flu or something like that, but it's definitely not as severe as if we had gotten it. These numbers are with COVID. I feel like it's more necessary for the older population to be vaccinated than it is for the younger population. Those are the, what the science is telling us. I'm not saying that 
it should be required by any means because I agree with you, Matt. I went, I get start to get nervous too. And I see, you know, you can't get into certain places or when I hear that conversation being had, um, if you have not had a shot, if you've not had this and I just. So Don, you're, you might be in line, but you're just going to be like at the back of the line. I might. Yeah. And if they say, you know what? We ran out. I'll be like, okay, that's good. Let's go to Starbucks. Because, I mean, I'll be honest. If it comes down to it and I have to get a flu shot to, to do something, I don't see this as a mark of the end times. I do I do see that to, to what you guys have spoken to, the limiting of what you can and can't do, that opens the floodgates to all kinds of problems down down the line. And particularly when it comes to, you know, our, our Christian faith. But, you know, if, if I had to, based on my work environment, you know, uh, or whatever the case may be, because, you know, when it comes to schools, they may they may require that. If you're going to teach, you're going to be in, in with kids. You have to take that. Right now, we don't have a Wisconsin health mandate that we have to have the flu shot, but it's definitely recommended. And in fact, in, in one week, we're going to have a flu clinic at our school where the county health comes in and they give they give flu shots. I just haven't participated specifically, but we have families and students that do. So I don't see it as a big deal. But, you know, so, Don, I'll be in front of you in line. OK, I'll just put so myself I, there. I, I interpreted Don's commentary as he will get it when he deems that he's at that old age. And since Don and I are the two oldest in this group, I'm wondering, sh- should the two of us get it first? <laughs> we'll let Don and Ryan be the canaries in the coal mine for us. <laughs> I heard that exact same thing from my wife. She's like, well, I don't know if we're going to get the flu shot, but we'll send Don over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I, Good. We're, we're probably pretty similar, I think, to, to several of you guys. We haven't. Our family actually hasn't done the flu shot other than Michelle doing it the two times that she's been pregnant because of her OBGYN requirements. Just for us as a family, I think it's not been something that we have done for a couple different reasons. One, I think we we haven't seen the, the benefit of it that some of you guys have indicated. Obviously, living in North Carolina, the flu is not as maybe as as common as in some of the colder climates. But I do know for me, one thing that really was influential in kind of solidifying my lack of desire to get the flu shot was we have a neighbor who lives one street over who actually is a researcher for a company that produces the flu shot. And so having conversations with him, just clarifying some of my understandings of what goes into developing the flu shot and understanding that each year they develop the flu shot eight to nine months ahead of time in order to get it in production and send it out. And the fact that they take their best guess on gathering three, four, five of this unknown number of flu strains and gather that into the flu shot, but they have no idea, like Jeremy said, what the virus is going to do, how it's going to change in, in the nine months before the shot actually comes out, let alone before the winter. And so I understand there's value in it for people whose health is compromised. There's value in it for people that are in certain places, I think. But for us, um, we've chosen to go more uh, in some holistic areas and similar to Matt and his family uh, because of Michelle, my wife and, and her mom. Um, so we've chosen to do some of that, but our, nobody in our family's had the flu shot. Michelle and I have never had the flu since we've been married. So I don't know if that's uh, just good fortune or uh, or anything, but that's kind of a little bit of our choice. In terms of COVID, I'm probably going to be at the back of the bus, um, probably hanging on to the tailgate, waiting, just because I am not an early adopter. I'm not someone that jumps 
in quickly. I want to see longevity. I want to see history. I want to see what people's responses are to it in a broader population, not in a small test population. The reality is we can't wait forever. We have to move something forward. I understand that because of the economy, because of lots of other things. But if you stay up late watching TV every single night, you're going to find ads from attorneys who are soliciting people who've taken one drug or another and it's gone through rigorous testing and still people are experiencing some pretty significant repercussions. And so I'm just, I, I'm not saying that we won't take it, but I want a little bit longer term view of what its implications are in the population before I'm jumping into something that's that unknown. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like we're all somewhat in the same general mindset. Either we're going to pass on it or we want to make sure it's safe and effective first. And we're not going to be one of the first frontline takers of this vaccine. Hey, Ethan, I just, I just had to ask you, did your neighbor by chance say that in that flu vaccine, they put any like little Debbie fudge round pieces in there or not? <laughs> he did not. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Just, just checking. Just asking for I a friend. All right. Though. We're good. Can, Thank you. I can ask him. <laughs> Ryan, I guess I have a question for you. Do you, do you believe that this flu vaccine really is the antidote to all the fear that's out there? I mean, do you do you think that the majority of people and I know, Ben, you alluded to talking with health professionals and, and you know, I'm not discounting that at all. But do you really think that that's going to really be the thing that just says, OK, now we're, we're good. Let's let's kind of put the, you know, the pedal to the metal again as far as the economy, as far as normal, you know, everyday living is concerned. Do you think that that's a reality based upon the medical experts? Yes, I don't bring a lot of medical knowledge into this. I know the phrase viral load. Sorry, Don, I had to do that again in for you. I know that phrase, but that has worked. I mean, it has eradicated certain diseases from history, right? I mean, it's knocked them out of smallpox, measles, things, some of those things we don't really even worry about because we have vaccines for. But do I think it's going to demolish coronavirus permanently? No, I don't. I I think it will be around the world in some form or another, but I I do think it's going to build up general population herd immunity and we're not going to see these outbreaks. My thinking is just immediately, I don't see that there's going to be a real change in public policy in the things we can and can't do. So in the long term, I think you're right. In the short term, launching this vaccine pre-election, post-election, I don't think is really going to do much to salvage small business, salvage all the things that have been completely stripped away from people. I just don't see that as a reality. Just another two cents there. Fair enough. Well, good conversation. All righty. Well, you guys know what time it is. That's right. Six in the mix trivia. So I was taking a look at the agenda. I decided our first trivia question is going to be a little bit different today. It's going to be a little bit different. So here's the thing. Everybody's going to get a shot at this one. Okay, so it's kind of like a call in your shot with trivia, but it's going to be kind of rapid fire on the question. And we're going to see who gets closest. All right. And it's kind of related to the Supreme Court discussion we're going to have later. But uh, here's the question. We'll start just top left. Again, no Google or anything like that. But here's the question and we'll just go, we'll, we'll start off, uh, I'll just go order top left in my uh, my uh, Zoom video call. Here's the question. And again, it's going to be whoever gets closest. So if any of you know this, I'll be absolutely astonished. So in what year was the first justice fully vested as a member of the Supreme Court? What year was the first justice fully vested as a member of the Supreme Court? Start with you, Jeremy. What year? Wow. You're right. I have no idea. I take a year, buddy. 1985. Well, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say Jeremy's not going to win this one. Uh, we'll, move on to, we'll move on to Ryan. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I could get any closer. <laughs> I told you, I have no idea. I I actually have a I have a range of four years, and I feel pretty good about. Um, I, I know the name of the first chief justice. Does that count? Uh, that was not the question. <laughs> can you can you repeat that? Was it just the first justice was seated? Is that is that the question? Fully vested, fully vested member of the Supreme fully vested. Court. Yeah, and this is taken from the Supreme Court website, the official Supreme Court website. In what year was the first justice fully vested as a member of the Supreme Court? So you could really look at it as you know, what year did the first Supreme Court justice begin duties, those types of things. But they did use right, the term I'll, fully vested. I'll, I'll go a few years earlier than Jeremy, and I'll say 1797. Okay, 1797, Ryan. Okay, Ethan? I'm going to say 1790. 1790, okay. Ben? 1802. 1802. Don? 1785. Whoa! All right. So, Jeremy, <laughs> even though you wish you would have saw that in your lifetime. Uh, it was not 1985. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what fully vested was. I didn't know what that was referring to. So I... <laughs> That's excuse awesome, my, man. Excuse my ignorance here, boys. Excuse <laughs> my ignorance. You're good, man. You're good. So the year that uh, the Supreme Court uh, gave was 1789. So put a point down for Ethan. Ethan said 1790 came within a year. So actually, October 5th, he took his oath. October 5th, 1789. And Ryan, what uh, what name did you have? Or did you know that too, Ethan? I think it's John Jay, isn't it? Who would you say, Ryan? It's not the name they have down. John Jay was the first, yeah, he was the first chief justice. He was the first chief justice. Maybe he wasn't the first justice. Right. That could be. Yeah. They have, they have the name down James Wilson. <laughs> James Wilson. Good old James Wilson. That's it. That's it. So Good work, anyway, Ethan. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess Ethan did not sleep as much as I thought he slept in our history classes. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. All right. Part, uh, part two of the trivia. You guys ready? We got some music. Again, your name is your buzzer. And here we go. Ryan. Ben. Oh. I thought I heard Ben first. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Ryan, go ahead. Whoa. Dive, Stephen Kirschap. Yeah, that, 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 that is correct. That is correct. Do you guys remember the summer this came out? I, I think Ethan's protesting, but yes, I do remember. Yeah. I, I, I said Ethan, my name a full comment, two, I said a full I said my name a full two seconds before Ryan did. Wow. Ooh, we'll have to go to the tape. Metronet. Yeah. Metronet. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think all of us uh, we we heard Ryan. Uh, certainly right. if we could pick someone else other than Ryan, we would have. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But uh yeah, I heard it was Ryan, Ben, I think Ethan in that order that I heard. Um so trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this Jeremy, I don't know if you remember this. This I, this was the summer that we were on camp team. Yeah. Because I remember we played the mess out of that tape going all across the country. Oh man, that that Pillsbury van just was cranking it. You know those vans? You remember how when you would turn the bass up and it, it would just rattle? I mean, we just had yeah, that just buzz. 
Yeah, it was great. Ethan, I I believe if I remember correctly where I first heard the this dive was, I believe, at your apartment in Owatonna. I think a bunch of us were over and I think someone had gotten the disc. I can't remember if I got it or not, but I think we had like a listening party and uh, just, I mean, just love the whole thing. It's just one of those discs. You just, there's not a bad song on it. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I, I think it's you're stuff. right. Was, it, was that the summer of 99? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, I remember I think that. The, I think the title, uh, the title of his, of this album was Speechless, right? Am I thinking right? I think you're right. Remember, yeah, good. Man, what a good what a good tune. Hey, speaking of tapes, remember, you know, the old Maxwell tapes? So I'm cleaning out, we're cleaning out my uh, daughter's bedrooms, and uh, we we got new carpet in them, and so cleaned out, we had to clean out their, their bedrooms, and man, what a task that was. I came across two tapes, and of course, I can't play any of them, I don't think. I mean, I don't have a tape deck in either of my cars. That's the only place I would have had a tape, but I think this tape here that I hold in my hands has a conversation of Mr. Matt <laughs> talking to a gal. Um, I, I can't remember what her name was, but um, <laughs> if we could get this tape going on a podcast, yes. yeah, this would be epic. This would be yes. just to get a buy a sob, huh? Legend, legendary. <laughs> It was only a matter of time before <laughs> some of the stories were leaked. <laughs> that was, that was Don. That was in your daughter's room. Yeah, Don, was, your, I, was your daughter I, listening to it? I don't know if this is the tape, though. I don't Taking know. Notes. I got. I mean, I, it's a blank tape, man. It looks familiar. It looks like the tape, but. Man, I don't know. I just don't know. It's kind of like a mystery, and it's killing, killing me. You know you can take tapes like that to get transferred onto a DVD or a CD, Don. I'm pretty sure they're shut down due to COVID. I wouldn't try. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we certainly look forward to that. That could be a, that could be a, a topic and a half. We're going to move into uh, kind of focusing a little bit on the Supreme Court, but obviously with the pass, passing of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's an opening on the Supreme Court. And, and as we know, one of the most influential uh, aspects and responsibilities of a president is to fill those roles. And with the Supreme Court justices being lifetime appointments that have an incredible impact, depending on how they interpret the Constitution and those types of things uh, for a very long time. And so uh, President Trump has been able to fill two of those. Obviously, it comes up in an election year. And so wanted to throw it out to the group. Should President Trump fill this seat? Should he go forward with this or should he wait for the people to make a decision on who they want to elect as president and then allow that person, whether it's Trump or Biden, to make that Supreme Court pick? What are your thoughts? I have a few thoughts on this as it relates to the timing of when the Senate should confirm. I know it's going to be a a very tight vote. We don't have the conservative side of the political aisle. We don't have a lot of extra space. You, You need 51 votes to get somebody confirmed into the Supreme Court. And I know there are a few Republican senators who tend to waffle uh, on these sorts of things. So it'll be pretty close. Maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. But I think the, the argument here is you'll hear a lot from the media saying, here comes a presidential election. This is a, 
a monumental decision. Let's have the American people help us out with this decision by making a pick for our next president. The issue here for me is Donald Trump was elected to serve four years, and that doesn't end until January 20th. So he's got the total right to do what he did. Same is true with the Senate. I, I, I think their terms end a little sooner than that for those who might potentially be voted out of office coming up in the elections, but they still have a term to finish out. So I think it's totally constitutional for them to move ahead and do so expeditiously. I don't think they should drag their feet. I think if the Republicans want to maintain any confidence uh, from their voters, they need to act on this quickly. And will this be truly a, a death knell for Roe v. Wade? Maybe. That would be fantastic if if this one nomination does that for, for the conservative movement. We've seen so many movements in the last decade or so that have really been helped by Supreme Court decisions, whether you're talking about the government getting involved with health care, with Obamacare, whether you're talking about the, the legalization of gay marriage nationwide. These have all been done through the Supreme Court, and they've been acknowledged, verified through the Supreme Court, hence making it known law or the interpretation of the law. And so shouldn't it be the conservatives' turn maybe to get something they're very passionate about accomplished? And what better way to show that this is a serious issue for those in the political class than to have the nomination put forward like we've seen and for the Senate to approve? And if it's 50-50, have our vice president go in, cast a tie-breaking vote and get Amy Coney Barrett onto the Supreme Court. And if I sound aggressive, yes, this politics is not, it's not for the faint of heart. You've got to be tough. You've got to be strong and you've got to make your mark. And I feel, as I said before, we've been losing a lot of battles recently. And what what better battle than life to, to win on? So we need to do everything we can to get this done. And the media is going to spin all day and say, oh, whoa, 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 hold on. We can't do this now. Let the American people decide. And we all know if the shoe were on the other foot, the Republicans would, would be saying the same thing. I mean, we understand that. We actually have a chance here. Let's let's make it count and let's not look squishy and all and all wishy wishy washy uh, for for once. And let's do something to something strong. Make a stand. You know, one of those things that I I hear a general theme of is is that statement of let the American people decide. And that kind of gets me going because the American people did decide a couple of years ago when we when we nominated Trump as president. To say that we got to wait for this next election to happen kind of a slap in the face to the people that voted for Trump in the first, you know, in this past election. And so I think Trump should have every right to be able to nominate who he wants. And I think the American people have spoken and they have used their vote. That's one of the reasons why I voted for Trump was because I knew he would have a significant impact on the decision of who would be in, in the Supreme Court. I'm kind of aghast at, at the logic behind let the American people decide. Well, we already have decided. Last time I checked, the president's term is not up. If he has the opportunity to nominate somebody, so be it. Let's get it done. So how do you guys rationalize four years ago when the tables were turned, you had the Republicans actually held up Obama's nominee until the election for the very reason. Now the roles are reversed. And I'm just challenging because, Ryan, you kind of brought that up. Now that the parties were switched, now it's funny they both flip-flop. So what's what's different? On the surface, it appears to be both sides are just flipping and being hypocritical. So the, the difference is 
And I believe you can point this back to the way the Constitution has set forth how somebody gets seated to the, the highest court. But the president makes the nomination and it is approved by the Senate. So you've got two branches of government that are involved in that decision. So what the Republicans in 2016 said is only one half of that pair is actually in favor of this. So we're not. We are divided in terms of if we should move forward with this with this nominee so close to an election, especially. And so I, I think that's the difference right now. You've got president and a Senate of the same party. And because of that marriage, as it were, they are totally within their right to move forward. Kind of back to Don's point, the people have spoken in that. And I think that's that's obviously the big difference in, in what I was kind of driving after to have discussion on. I think I heard a statistic that when the president and the Senate are of the same party in an election year, when this has come up, I think 17 out of 19 have been confirmed. So there is precedence for it. Now, is it within the last 10 years? No. But again, it doesn't have to be super recent for it to have varying in weight. So it, it just is interesting how we need to really be you know, critical in our thinking on this. As far as I'm concerned, when you back when you back the camera up just a, a little bit and do a little bit more of a, a big picture kind of thought at this, I can't help but think that for whatever providential reason God has allowed this to happen and presented this scenario to our country, that there is a unique as Ryan said, and as he pointed out, there's a unique situation that allows for some potential reversals in some decisions. But the the ability for somebody who's conservative, who sees people of faith and has that as even part of her background as just a providential scenario that God has given our country. And perhaps that may be, as I, as I back out now and look at the, the potential of what that could be, you know, is God setting us up for uh, an unbelievable revival? Are there scenarios where people who maybe have not seen God or or faith or anything like that as, as necessities that all of a sudden will go, man, how in the world could this have even happened when, you know, we've got all these things, the momentum in our camp, and then all of a sudden it just, the tide has flipped. Uh, I see so many examples in scripture, particularly in the Israel's history, where there was just an impossibility and then God made it and allowed it to happen. And I think in this scenario, that's kind of how I view this. How in the world would this be even a potential, except that God had providentially laid this out for our country? To be honest with you, some of the reasons why President Trump, who is obviously not afraid to make a decision and make a quick one in a, in a I think in many cases, he's made good choices, not in all, but in, in many cases. But when it, when it counts, it seems like he is on target. And um, to allow this nomination or to nominate uh, yesterday what he did and then to confirm, I think, is uh, would be a good thing. I'm, I'm in favor of it. I think it's a, a, the right thing to do. Other thoughts? Yeah, I don't have anything to strongly disagree with anything that's been said so far. I think, you know, Matt, you made some interesting points that the precedent is there. I, I saw an article that said there's been 14 different presidents over the course of our country's history that have appointed justices during their presidential election year. And there's even been six of those presidents appointed a filled a Supreme Court seat while they were a lame duck. So it, it even happened after the election happened, before they left in January, there's been six instances where a 
seat has been filled. So I think Ryan's right. You've got your four years that you were elected for, and you need to do what you feel is right for the country while you're the president to move forward with that. And and whether that's Supreme Court or other legislation or whatever the case may be, you know, it doesn't, you don't win an election for three years or three and a half years, you get your whole term. And so you need to do what you feel is best for your, for the country. And the fact that the Senate is a majority of Republican now too, then it, it seems even more logical like Ryan laid out. So I, I don't see any reason not to proceed with it from my opinion. Yeah, I think it's going to be important that, uh, you know, just looking back to the contentious hearings from two years ago, it's important to uphold Amy and her family in prayer. I think the attacks are going to be absolutely savage and vicious. Um, unfortunately, right, they're going to pry. And, and I think there should be always, obviously, for any Supreme Court justice that's nominated, there should be a thorough probing and understanding how do they interpret the law? What is their what is their background and consistency? But because the Democrats, unfortunately, are so against this, they will pull out all the stops on this. You know, just seeing her whole family, like nine of them, right? Two adopted from Haiti, one with the youngest son, I believe, maybe with Down syndrome, right? Just God's kind of uniquely weave that whole family together. And again, to have folks that at times just without souls go after people because they don't like what they may do. I just, I, I don't want to see that family torn down, but they're going to walk through some really dark waters here. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that reminder, Matt. I think praying for them is, is a great thing we all should be doing. And I also want to mention the fact that we all need to be careful not to elevate her into this lofty position where she can do no wrong. I think I've fallen into that trap maybe with our chief justice, excited that he was more conservative in his interpretations and he has let down the conservative movement quite a bit. And so we, we don't know exactly how they will decide. And so whereas I think folks on maybe the left side of the aisle, they tend to put more passion and more, I mean, to them, politics, government is almost idolatry at times. I, I don't want us to do that. I, I want us to keep our eyes on the true God, realizing that any man, woman, person in politics can let us down. And I'm, I guess I'm preaching more to myself than anybody here, but I appreciate the prayer reminder. That's something we should do for her family, especially at this time. Yeah, it's a good way to good way to close that uh, topic out. So be interesting to watch that one over the next several weeks. Uh, Ryan, why don't you turn it over to you for uh, Calling Your Shot? This week in Calling Your Shot, we're going to discuss favorite movies uh, that each of us have had. Now for, for all of us, I believe we have all reached the 40-year the threshold. We've been around for at least 40 years, so we certainly have had a variety of movies that we've seen. My wife Erin has made comments recently within the last year. She She's saying that the movie-making industry has lost imagination. All you're seeing now are redos, or you have a movie that used to be all guys, and they've put all women into those roles now. So, I don't know. Maybe the imagination for movies going forward isn't going to be that great. I will say one thing before we launch into this, so we can hear from each other how we, how we rank our top movies. I just want to thank this group of guys, because if it weren't for this group of guys, I still may have never been in a movie theater. My mom raised me, said, Ryan, you're not going to go to movie theaters. I said, all right, mom, sounds good. Well, one day as I was out of the house and, and an adult, I was with my friends here and they said, hey, Ryan, let's go watch uh, Lord of the Rings. And I said, guys, I don't go to movies. I just don't do it. No, come on, Ryan. It, it's going to be good for you. No, sorry, I'm not going to do it. Ryan, you're going to grow spiritually 
by watching Lord of the Oh, will I? Okay. I'm in. Let's go, guys. Let's forget everything I believed. All right, let's go. Oh, so thank you guys. Thank you for helping me take that important step of being an adult and going to a movie theater. I, I appreciate that. I was reminiscing this afternoon about that very same day, fondly remembering what it was like to drag you in to see your first movie. I don't remember who else was with the two of us. I know it wasn't just you and I, it was somebody else too. It was Matt. Okay. Uh, the tipping point, I'm pretty sure, was that we agreed to pay for you so that you wouldn't have any of your money going to fund tickets. So I'm pretty sure Matt and I paid for you, which was well, well worth the investment. Oh, that is such a relief to hear. I, I thought I completely sold my soul that day, but hearing that I was able to not fund Hollywood that day, I feel much better. Yeah, your moral compass is still pointing north. You know, and again, God teaches lessons in the wilderness. He speaks through donkeys and he teaches at the theater. And so we were trying to help expand your horizon that day. And if you go back and if we, we could walk through that movie again and, and share all the spiritual principles and you're a better man for it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Friend, friends in need. Friends indeed. Amen. Let's go through our, our list here. I'll just uh, start with Jeremy to see Jeremy. What, what do you have ranked as your number one movie of all time? I wonder uh, if we'll have any any duplicates here. My number one movie of all time happens to be a holiday uh, special that is It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Cannot, cannot love that movie more. I guess there's some sentimental, you know, things that go along with that, but I really enjoy watching that. And I, I watch it one time a year. And whether my family does with me or not, it is my it is my stronghold on Christmas Eve. I put that thing in and watch that three and a half hour or four hour delivery. And uh, Jimmy Stewart, just wonderful. Love it. Nice choice. Just just out of curiosity, do any of the rest of you guys watch that annually around Christmas? I don't think I've watched that whole movie through yet. <laughs> I don't think I have either. <laughs> it, it takes a long time. I'm, I'm with Jeremy. Yeah, we our family does. Yep. So same, do. same here. So half maybe not on Christmas yeah. Eve. Yeah, not, maybe not on Christmas Eve, but definitely in the holiday season. Wow. Which is only 88 days away, I believe. So just in case you guys were wondering on this 27th day of September. We're more of the Will Ferrell's Elf is the one that we watch every Christmas. Well, yeah, that comes in number two as far as, you know, <laughs> holiday holidays right. is concerned. But yeah, my, my number one is it's a, it's a wonderful life. Nothing wrong with that, Jeremy. I know I took a little flack for nominating Joy to the World as my favorite hymn which people tie to Christmas too. So yeah, but we're, okay. on, we're on the Island together. So that, that, yeah, we know, are. that functions well. Yeah, we are. We, we've got the larger Island. We got four of us now. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don, I got you next. All right. I'm going to say as a, this, I always have a top five in my pocket and the number one spot can change on occasion between one or two movies, but I'm going to go with my number one overall movie is a few good men. Okay. Now, Don, so Don, on what which other movie or movies rotate into the number one spot? What's honorable mention then for you? I think The Usual Suspects. That one kind of has a little bit of a sentimental value to it because the first time I watched that, I was with my wife, who was uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I completely hated the movie through most of it, but then I saw the end and was completely blown away. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was probably the greatest movie I've ever seen. So that's kind of, so we always uh, kind of reminisce about that once in a while. So that's kind of the sentimental. That's number two. Funny story about Usual Suspects. Don, you actually turned me on to that movie, and I believe we watched that in Pillsbury Hall. <laughs> uh, 
over one of the breaks or one of the weekends, we, we set up a viewing party. I'm pretty and, sure uh, that happened that a film. couple of times because I was in on one of those. What a, that's a great, that was a great movie. Well, Ethan, Ethan, R.A., where's the fine? Where's the, where's the late fine? He was on fourth floor. You don't know. <laughs> you know that I'm fourth floor. Four, four. That's right. You know that the fine book almost never came out. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did it? When did it come out? It may or may not have come out once or twice, just to just to help spice things up in uh, in Ryan's world. <laughs> I tell you what, a few good men, a few good friends, and a few good men is what I have. Matt. Uh, for me, again, probably similar to Don, uh, but one that always comes to the top, probably more often than not, is Men of Honor, uh, the story of uh, Carl Brashear. Just incredible what he went through and what he was able to, you know, just again, a, a historical uh, example of perseverance. And uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. just crushed that role. Just that really had an impact on me and it still does to that day. I watch clips just to be encouraged or motivated from that movie. I don't think I'm familiar with that. Are, are you all familiar with that movie? I think that might have been one of the first movies I remember crying at. Yeah, it's 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 worth a watch. It's good. Yeah, that's a good Ryan, one. I'm sure it's at the Dollar Theater <laughs> if you want to go a second time to a theater. <laughs> no, you do got to check it out. It's it's pretty incredible. Some rougher language, but outside of that, just an incredible story. Matt's going to mail you a dollar so you can go front. <laughs> Don, can, right. you ma- Don, can you mail me uh, three fifty so I can buy some fudge rounds? <laughs> Watch, I got, you. I got your fudge rounds right here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So it looks like the last two nominations for favorite movies have had the the word men in it. So I I wonder if that's going to be a theme that continues here. So Ben, uh, does your movie title have the word men in it? Uh, it does not. This was difficult for me. I do enjoy watching movies, and so I was hoping we could narrow it down to a like a certain genre or do something to try to make it easier. But yeah, that that was tough for me too. Um, yeah, it's tough. Because comedy, I mean, you got all kinds of fun stuff. So one movie, it, it's hard. I might have to list like three here just because it's hard to narrow down. But one that, especially with my wife and her family, that we love and watch and quote constantly is What About Bob? I don't know if anyone else has seen that movie, but it's fantastic. Bill Murray is just, oh, he's so good in that movie. And it's it's so good. Every time we have corn on the cob, which we do a lot in the upper Midwest, we, we relive the, is this corn hand shucked? It's just so good. <laughs> but so that one's high on my list. Um, I've got many others that I really like, but I'll, that'll be the one I'll go with for now. Okay. Yeah, I, I apologize. I didn't narrow the scope down a little bit. That would have been easier. You know, Ryan, it doesn't have, uh, you know, Ben's one doesn't have a, the name or the word man in it, but it's got a man's name in it. Does that count? <laughs> That's true. Right in and, line and, with this theme. And Jeremy's It's a Wonderful Life is the story of a man, right? So, <laughs> Uh-oh. Yep. Not trying I, to get chauvinistic here, but uh, yeah, I there think is we, a theme. And I know what my answer is going to be, so Ethan can be the breaker here. So Dr. Dobson's going to be. Let's hear it. Well, I, I, I know what Ethan's not going to say. He's not going to say the Civil War movie that, that I watched once. So, but I'll let you speak for yourself. That's a, it's a tough, it's a tough choice. I'm like Don, there's, there's always a few that are in the mix. Usual Suspects is usually one that's percolating somewhere up 
up there for me. If I, well, I'm going to go favorite movie and then favorite scene from my backup. Uh, but favorite scene from my backup is that I just can't ever not watch if I flip the channel and it's on is the Lord of the Rings returned uh, return of the King where they're under the gun with all the orcs and the elf comes riding over the top of the horizon with the sun at first light. I don't know that there's a better scene in, in a movie. Preach. Uh, Preach. That one, at least for me, overall movie favorite overall movie that I could watch over and over again is uh, for me. If you take out the first 30 seconds is Shawshank Redemption. That's it. Shawshank Redemption. So does that, is that still within the theme here or is that separate from our theme here? I'm breaking the mold. Okay. Well, it, Josh, it, 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 Ethan, I remember, it, it, I remember watching that movie with you and Troy and uh, Mark and a bunch of people at, at Larry Livesay's house just off campus. <laughs> I remember watching that. <laughs> I just watched that movie as a drama. It has so many great lines and great twists and, and does such a great job connecting with people's, with your heart as a viewer. Great movie. Has everybody watched Lord of the Rings? Because I have never watched that. Have <gasps> I never watched any of it? Here, no. Here's the thing. I rented it one time and I put it in and it was on a, it was a, I was coaching basketball. It was, you know, just go, go, go during the middle of the school year. And my, the students were saying, you've got to watch this shape. You've got to watch it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to plug it in on a, you know, set Friday night or whatever. I don't even remember when it was, but I just remember it was a busy time. I slept through like the first half hour because it was boring to me. Right. Right. And I was like, that's it. I'm not, I don't know what these people are seeing in that. So you're saying I should probably actually invest and watch this thing. No, yes, <laughs> you, sh- you should. Do you start with the Hobbit series first? Yeah, I'll uh, take some. Uh, you don't have to, but you could. You, you don't have to. But the question is, how many hours do you have and are you willing to commit to? <laughs> well, we're because, in a pandemic. We got all the time in the world. Come on. What are we, what are we talking here? Like, I mean, how, are the movies well, three, depends on if you're watching really. the regular version or the extended version. The regular version of Lord of the Rings are three plus hours each for three of them. No. Yeah. I, to Jeremy, don't do it. It's not worth it. it. It was boring. It made no sense. And I was a hostage. So don't do it. <laughs> it is worth it. Oh, man. Well, so I've got two is. people on my island. Somebody telling me to watch it. And somebody tell me not to watch it. Ryan, well, what's, what's yours? Well, my movie is about a guy and... Uh, since I think part of my issues with movies is I don't like it when things are not realistic. I can't get into the sci-fi. I can't get into things that, you know, happen that shouldn't happen. My Mine is totally historically based and based upon faith. And my favorite movie is Luther. So that would be, that would be my favorite movie. I, I just really appreciated it being brought into a movie format. We know the story of Martin Luther and what he did to really launch the Protestant Reformation. And so for me, having that view back into history was the right the right fit for me uh, to to nominate a movie to the top. So I can't believe you didn't pick Sheffy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that movie here. <laughs> it just popped into my mind when you said Luther. Like what? Sheffy. Yeah. Sheffy yeah, is, is a classic. But oh my word. No, no. I, I, I saw it once, but I don't even remember it. So I thought for sure you were going to pick one of the Marvel comics movies, Ryan. I figured that just would be right down your alley. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of those. So yeah, I, I, 
I will say, I will say recently, some of you guys mentioned Christmas, but I think I, I've enjoyed that animated Christmas movie, The Star. Have you guys seen that movie? I don't yeah, know. it's a good one. Fan. Yeah, really good. Good. That's why Ben's on my island. We watch The Star together. <laughs> then we'll watch all the Star Wars movies after that. It's related. <laughs> Star and Star Wars. Come on. Yeah, I see That's what you another did there. series I haven't watched. <laughs> I'm out of it. Yeah. Well, that that wraps it up for calling your shot. That was uh, that was a nice blast into the past and to see what uh, how our minds roll separately from each other. We didn't have any duplicates either, so that was that was fun. All right, I'm gonna turn it over to Ben. He's gonna be our closer, so he's gonna uh, do feel good story of the week and then move seamlessly and effortlessly into fix your eyes. So Ben, take it away. Yeah. So I thought about connecting these two, but then I decided against it. I I have two different uh, themes here, but my feel good story of the week this week starts with pizza, which is a great place to start, right? I love pizza. But uh, out in Utah, there is an 89-year-old delivery man. He uh, didn't really have much retirement. Social Security wasn't paying all the bills. So he was working as a pizza delivery man and uh, had a a couple, um, Carlos Valdez and his wife. They ordered pizza from this uh, pizza place and they would request him to be their delivery man. And notice that he, uh, obviously, was 89 years old, noticed that, uh, you know, he probably shouldn't be needing to deliver pizza and work as hard as he was at, at that age. But they really struck up a friendship with him. They subscribed to TikTok. If any, I don't know if any of us are, I'm not a TikToker, but if anyone is on that app, um, they use TikTok to kind of bring some fame to this guy. And over the course of getting to know him, they actually um, sent out a request or a plea to all their TikTok followers to try to raise some funds to help this gentleman so that he wouldn't have to be delivering pizzas as often as he was. And they were able to raise $12,000 for this guy and uh, presented him a check, actually delivered it in a pizza box to the guy. There's a a video you can Google it. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool that they, first of all, this guy, I don't know if any of us will want to be delivering pizzas when we're 89 years old, but he was still doing it with a happy heart and customer service and, and, you know, doing his job and making friendships and impacting people along the way. Way, which is cool. And then uh, this couple saw his need and uh, struck up a friendship with him. And then they were able to use a social media app basically to raise such a big dollar, $12,000 for this guy and presented it to him. So kind of cool and a lot of different angles of, uh, you know, paying it forward. Uh, kind of a story. So yeah, I thought that one was kind of a fun one for this week. That's awesome. That's what I want to do when I get old. I want to deliver pizzas. I think that's great exercise. Get you out, probably get an occasional free pizza once in a while. I'll, I'm all in. <laughs> well, you're almost to that age, Don. So I know. I, I mean, I'm not that far away, right? I mean, I only got a few years left here. So I'm... first the COVID vaccine. <laughs> 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 You're so selfish, Ryan. <laughs> By that time, the pepperonis are going to have the COVID vaccine in it. So we're all going to be getting it. Hey, I, I almost got a free pizza tonight. I, I went to Domino's and I, I called in from their parking lot and I made my order. And about 15 minutes later, this guy comes out, hands me the pizza. They, they never took my, my payment information. I said, I have my card. I'm like, uh, what's my total cost? He's like, I don't know. They just told me to bring you a pizza. <laughs> 
here you go. Go, go figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that that's not a bad gig. 89, though, man, I'm, I'll be long gone by 89, I'm sure, but that would be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, fire up the music. We can roll into the fix your eyes. Here we go. So my verse for tonight is uh, John 16, 33, and it says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so the first part of that verse, this happens in the upper room. Jesus had just gotten done telling the disciples about what was going to happen over the next few days, the hardship that was going to not only happen to Jesus, but also happen to the disciples because they were so closely connected to Jesus. And, but then he jumps right into the second part of the verse, uh, which is where I want to spend most of my time. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. So it doesn't say in this world, we may have trouble, right? I mean, we've all had lots of trouble this year to one degree or another. We all will face these circumstances. Some will be more intense. Some will just be something that will generate some anxiety or worry with us. Um, there's a devotional book called The Red Sea Rules. I don't know if any of you have read that or not, but it, it says in there, some circumstances circumstances are beyond our control and something as simple as the ringing of a phone, a card in the mail or a knock on the door can push us off the wire and we fall into this world of worry. Preacher John R. Rice said worry is putting question marks where God has put periods. A little stronger quote there, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen has called worry a form of atheism for it betrays a lack of faith and trust in God. And then it says, so you'll have this worry and what are we going to do about all this worry, right? We're all going to feel it. Well, Jesus says, take heart, uh, for I have overcome the world. That word overcome, Matt and Don have alluded to the Greek, so I had to get my Greek word in here for you guys. The word overcome there is a, we derive the, the term Nike, the English word Nike, the brand Nike comes from Nike, the Greek goddess, and she represented victory, the victory of a conquering hero. That's what God is picturing here when he says he's overcome the Jesus has overcome the world. So we don't need to be anxious and we don't need to worry because God is in control. He is victorious over evil and death. When we face hardship or moments where we feel out of control, we have two choices. We can either try to hold on tightly and maintain that control that we really want, but when we try to grab it, we just can't quite get a grip on it. Or we can acknowledge that God is in control and surrender to his control. We don't need to fear because God has overcome the world. And Matthew West has... Uh, he wrote a song earlier this spring based off of this verse when the pandemic was first hitting. And I really like the second verse and refrain of it. So I'll just close with that. It says, do you remember singing back when you were younger? He's got the whole world in his hands. Well, that is still true. I hold your family, your friends and all your loved ones. And even when you're barely holding on, I'm holding you. So take heart. Take a breath. Let me lift that heavy weight up off your chest. Take my hand. I know it's looking dark. When the world falls all around you, I'll, I won't let you fall apart. So take heart. That's great stuff. Thank you, Ben, for closing us out. Uh, that's it for episode number 10, recorded on September 27th, the year of our Lord 2020. If you would, please leave uh, a like, a comment, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next time for episode number 11.